This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times, now with goals. Hello and welcome to the new football season. I am Gabriel Marcotti and I'm here to celebrate the end of the summer with my specially selected panel, which logically, because it's specially selected, does not include Rory Smith. Over the next 40 minutes, we'll get all excited about the new season, all cynical about England, and we'll make a few predictions along the way. I should point out that Rory Smith isn't here because he's taken a few well-earned days off because he's basically had to run the whole place all summer while people like Ollie Kay were on holiday. To do this, I am joined by some old favorites, Alison Rudd and the aforementioned Mr. K, and also by a newcomer, top commentator and one of the voices of our new Goals app, which you can download right now. Well, no, listen to us first, then download it. It's Mr. Jim Proudfoot. So let's start with the season's curtain raiser at Wembley. Yes, it's a community shield, and we're all told incessantly it's just a glorified friendly and blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm sure we'll get to Moyes in a minute, Ollie. I wanted to ask you, I was kind of reminded of the existence of Robin Van Persie in this game because I feel like we haven't had a peep out of him all summer. He's just kind of quietly gone on, done his work. Um, he played such a crucial part for United last season, particularly uh, in, in sort of the first few months uh, of the campaign. Um, were we kind of reminded, or is Moyes maybe kind of reminded, that his glass is maybe not half full, but it's certainly fuller than it might appear to some? Yeah, well, I, I think you could lump Van Persie in with about a thousand other footballers, given that the whole summer seems to have been dominated by three, uh, Bale, Suarez and Rooney. So, I, I mean, I, I, I would say perhaps Van Persie has been slightly overlooked in, in people's sort of considerations for the new season and, and the considerations of what Man United might do. But I, I think what he did is reminded everybody not that they should really re- need reminding, but, but that he's, um, he is going to be the main man now. It was last season, that, wasn't he? Well, absolutely. I mean, he was, um, he, as we're led to believe that. that um, Part of Rooney's uh, frustration is that he's no longer the main man, or, or that he's um, sort of second fiddle to, um, to Van Persie. I, I think yesterday we, we, we saw an illustration of the reasons why. But um, Alison, it's not just that he's the, the the hub, but he's really, really good. I don't know. There's no other way to, to to put it. And with all the caveats from before, if he stays injury free and he doesn't decline all of a sudden when he crosses the the, 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 the sort of the thirty uh, barrier, um, 
I mean, is, is, this the, is this the kind of thing where, like last season, amidst all this negativity about United, you know, we tend to forget that they did win the title by nine points, that their closest competitors also have new managers and some level of, of upheaval, and that he can paper over a lot of cracks. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the non-story is actually the story. The fact that Manchester United have a very happy Robin van Persie is, is still significant, I would argue. Um, he was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch. I know we're talking a lot of Wigan players. They, there's, you know, they shone a bit last season. Um, interestingly, you, you have to put Van Persie first and think about how and you build a team around Van Persie, don't you? So, um, is Welbeck the best player to have playing off him, or, or would it be Rooney? I mean, I. I I would I would I would argue that you you could say Welbeck because he's less selfish is actually the ideal partner. Isn't Kagawa even less selfish than Welbeck? And, and he and he too he too you know he too I mean yeah you could say Rooney's third choice behind him. There you go. Um, JP, are you going to insert people like Zaha in there and make and Ashley Young and make Rooney fifth and sixth choice? Which seems no. To be <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'd like to out of pure devilment, but I won't. I mean, Kagawa for me, having seen a lot of him play for Dortmund, I know that he hasn't been able to replicate that kind of form since he moved to England. But I do think that having been here a year now and more in tune with the culture and have settled a little bit more, I think we'll see a much better season from him. And I think Kagawa in behind Van Persie is is the way that I would go if I was David Moyes. With Rooney filling neither of those roles. Now, if you could keep him as a squad player and keep him happy, that would be great. But if you can't, I would sell him, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, and I know that uh, you know David Moyes has made these public pronouncements. I haven't fallen out with him. He's not going anywhere. You're all getting it all wrong. I don't know. If, if there are no more twists in the saga, and September the 2nd comes with the transfer window shutting and Wayne Rooney still very much a Manchester United player, I will be surprised. Well, I suppose we have to get to Rooney sooner or later. Um... Ollie, are, are, are you on board with the uh, Pratfoot suggestion of Kagawa behind Van Persie and Rooney's a squad player? Or do you prefer the Marcotti suggestion, which, uh, sure, Kagawa behind RVP, fine, but I feel like I'm the only person in the world who likes Rooney on the wing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, mean no, I, 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 I agree. I, I, I think people have forgotten how good a player Rooney is I think Gary Neville got it spot on the other week where, where he said you know, how big an influence Rooney had even last season even when he was nothing like fully fit or nothing like fully motivated it seemed in the, in the second half of the season if you get Rooney's head right if you get his fitness right as it has been for um, probably eight and a half out of nine seasons at, at Man United he and Van Persie, I think, would be a fantastic partnership, but he seems to be making it very difficult for himself. He seems to be um, uh, taking himself out of, the, out of that consideration, really, as, as he tries to get this move. And, and if he stays, if his head gets right, and it might take to October, November, whatever, then I, I think I, I would definitely go with him rather than Welbeck behind Van Persie. I, I don't see Welbeck as a number 10. Um, Kagawa is, is a number 10, but he's a different type. I, I, I would say that... Um, I would say that a you know, getting Rooney, Van Persie, and Kagawa on the pitch at once, all playing well, is, is perhaps a difficulty. But um, in an ideal world, I, I would have Rooney as my number ten. Well, I, I guess we had to. Um, um, in my mind, that we were going to celebrate Ryan Giggs and discuss the implications of Raphael's injury. But I suppose um, we have to deal with Rooney sooner rather than later because we keep talking about him. Um, I, I want to throw this out there: Does anybody here believe that? 
there really is interest in signing Wayne Rooney at these terms from outside the Premier League, or do we all believe it's just stuff that Rooney's camp just kind of invents? All right, I'll take the silence to believe that nobody believes that. At the moment, there is nothing to suggest that A, anybody outside the Premier League wants Rooney, or B, that Rooney wants to go outside the Premier League. There hasn't been for the last 18 months, and and they're just making the stuff up to get him a better deal, yeah? Well, I, 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 I mean, James Ducker wrote about um, Paris Saint-Germain being interested in, in Rooney earlier in the season, and I don't think that came from Rooney's no, no, camp no. at all. I, 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 I think that came from, um, uh, I think it was very well sourced, but I don't think it came from um, the Rooney camp. No, no, but I, I, I mean, in the here and now, anyway, there is... In the here and now, no. Well, I, I mean, maybe, um, maybe the fact that Rooney is so fixated on Chelsea, um, as, as outlined to me, um, is part of the issue. I mean, maybe that means that they're not... Um, Punching him around to other clubs anyway, so it, it's. I'm, I'm sure United would rather sell him abroad than sell him to Chelsea. In fact, I'm certain they would. But the option of selling him abroad, as we understand it, is not there. Yes, not at the moment. Um, so, with this in mind, this brings me to the Chelsea thing. Now, I I need you people to help me, and and, and Jim, feel free to help me understand this because I I know that Chelsea bid for him because. They told us that they bid to him, and surely football clubs always tell the truth, especially when they're bidding for players who then they don't get. Uh, and United, I believe, have confirmed that they've turned down bids uh, for Wayne Rooney. Um, I don't see where or how he fits in at Chelsea, given financial fair play, given the all those attacking players that Chelsea have and I, you can say oh but Torres isn't very good yes but you have to you have to move Torres if you're going to sign Rooney or you have to move Mata you know there's just too many bodies there uh, to make this sustainable so there's the uh, sort of suspicious conspiracy theorist in me um, which says that you know what none of this is true Jose Mourinho has, has this is all a big smoke screen from him or, 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 or from Chelsea that they're they're bidding for him knowing he's not going to come or, or whatever. It just does not make any sense to me. Does it make sense to you, Jim? Can you? But why? Okay, so, so taking your conspiracy theory at face value, then Gab, why are they doing that? Because they've got a, a, another target who they think they will be able to land, and um, they're just throwing us all off the scent, or to make it look as though they're prepared Maybe. to spend more money and keep the Chelsea fans hanging on. Because when it comes down to it, they brought Sherlock and Van Ginkel and nobody else so far. Uh, what's, it, the, what's, what's, what's the reasoning behind? I'm not saying you're wrong, Gab, but what's right. the reasoning behind it if that's the way they're going? Well, I, I, I like to think people generally move towards the logical. I, the reasoning could be they're chasing somebody else. Um, they want to do Paul Stratford uh, a favor, um, thinking that maybe it might help them with another one of Stratford's clients or one of the people Stratford has influence over. Um, he wants to mess with David Moyes uh, so that you know that's he's kind of messed with one of his direct competitors. Uh, I don't know. All these things come to mind because I, I cannot see a logical home for Wayne Rooney at Chelsea, given the players in Chelsea's squad and given the fact that, you know, in, with financial overplay, they'd have to sell guys and the guys that, you know, there really isn't so much of a market for many of these guys because they make too much money and it's already late in the transfer window. I, I read something similar last, season, uh, sorry, last week in terms of the... Um, 
in terms of, in terms of the conspiracy theory, I mean, it, it is a no-lose situation for, for, for Chelsea and Mourinho because whether they get him or not, they have succeeded in completely destabilising Rooney and Manchester United. If, if they don't get him, then you know United are still left with a problem on September the third. Um, well, you know, it would probably suit them to keep him, but but it's going to be a problem if they keep him unless unless um, unless Moyes can um, sort of get back in, in in tune with Rooney. Alison, the whole saga perpetuates the cult of personality of Mourinho, doesn't it? I mean, there's this sense that Rooney is difficult to please and a great talent who isn't quite achieving what he should achieve. And without him actually going to Chelsea, we have the idea that if only he could be um, working with Mourinho, then all would be well with Rooney and that would make England better. There's this idea that Mourinho has come to uh, Britain and can solve all our ills without actually signing anybody. Um, I think the next move is to become Chancellor of the Exchequer, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, Ollie, you, you, you celebrated um, Ryan Giggs, I, uh, I thought. It was pretty amazing. Uh, the dude turns 40, I think, on November 24th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and uh, and <laughs> was fantastic. Um, can you, uh, you want to, given you celebrated him in print, do you want to celebrate him uh, over the airwaves? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, well, I suppose we have to caveat everything we say here by saying it's only the Community Shield, it's only Wigan, it's, it's mid-August, but I, I always think gigs is better in the sort of winter months anyway I don't, I don't know what, I, I don't know whether that's a half-baked theory or not but in, in my mind he's somebody who sort of comes to life in um, in, in, in the, in the midwinter and, and, and for him to be um, in that shape um, sort of not, not only fitness wise but touch wise um, and, and sort of um, vision wise um, in, in the first real game of the season is uh, I thought it was extremely impressive for a guy who's um, 39 and a half I, I spoke to Gary Neville over the summer and he was saying that he'd been running with uh, gigs when they, when they were both doing their sort of pro license course in, in Turkey over the um, summer and he said that gigs you know, gigs stamina wise speed wise etc he's the same as he was 10 years ago he was leaving Gary Neville for dead now no, Gary Neville's um, not been um not been in the uh, sort of professional athlete um, mode for the last two years, but it's uh, no, he was saying it was frightening how fit Gig still is. Oh, one last thing to wrap up the thing because I was I saw I saw a YouTube highlight and it got me all excited. Um, I'm just going to go around the three of you, starting with Allison, of course, because we're going in alphabetical order. Um, percentage chance that Nanny's going to be a major contributor this season at United, or that he will even be at United. Ooh. Um, All right, you have a think about it. I'll minimal, go, I'll, minimal. Minimal, minimal. All right. Uh, JP? Um, slightly more than minimal, but, I mean, it depends what a major impact is. I mean, last season he started seven out of 38 Premier League games. I don't think it's going to be too many more than that. Right, and uh, two years ago he was arguably their best player. Uh, Ollie, your take on the artist formerly known as Nani? Well, I, I would have said earlier in the summer, I would have said he was likely to, to, to be moved out, but that, that was based on um, the assumption that they would bring somebody in, and they've not been able to do that. Um, since then, I've been told that he's been um, in fantastic form in, in training, particularly over the last week or two, so I, I, I would um, I would expect him to, um, I, I mean, certainly, if, yeah, I, I would expect him to establish himself as, as one of the main um, 
the main options for United going forward. I mean, if, if you look at last season, Valencia, Young, Nani, they they didn't really contribute a great deal between them. Um, but, but, but that's the thing, Ollie, in, in mm. terms of actual ability, right? Mm. Aside from Van Persie, and, and you can chuck Rooney in there if you like, is there any attacking player who's more talented than Nani at United? Can you name anybody? Well, K- Kakao is extremely talented. And, and you, you take Kakao ahead of Nani? Um, perhaps given the, given the makeup of the United squad, perhaps not. But, but if I was... You know, I think Nani, ability-wise, is, is fantastic. But, but there have only, there only been sort of patches during his... No, I know. Career. But then that's what we're, I find so frustrating training. with this guy because I mm. love to see him play when he's on song. Anyway, enough United. More than enough. All right, time now for our debate, and uh, producer Chris Skinner has given everybody some homework, so we're going to pick on the new kid first. Um, JP, you were asked to tell me something outside the top six that excites you this season. Tell me. I went to see Cardiff play Swansea when it was a fourth division fixture, um, and I haven't been frightened in football grounds very often. That one certainly made you sort of look everywhere, have eyes in the back of your head. It was a very, very lively encounter. Uh, they didn't let the Swansea fans into the ground until 10 minutes before kickoff. Uh, they all took their tops off and ran straight over to the Cardiff supporters, and it was uh, like the old days. Now, I'm not saying that that's the element of Cardiff-Swansea that I'm looking forward to, but I think it's, it's fantastic that both clubs, over the, the intervening, I don't know, 12, 13 years since that fixture, have have both risen Phoenix-like to sit where they are. Now, Swansea, I thought, would struggle last year, would suffer from second-season syndrome, words that I've had rammed back down my throat many times. This season, clearly, they're going to be okay. How are Cardiff going to get on? Well, they're giving it a good go when you consider the amount of money that they've spent. I mean, it's extraordinary to to be in a position where they've spent £30 million as a newly promoted side. Clearly, Vincent Tan has decided he's he's going to gamble. So I'm looking forward to, to watching both Cardiff and Swansea in the flesh as many times as possible this season and I do hope that I'll be able to get to at least one of the South Wales derbies That is going to be pretty special I want to ask you though but they have spent a lot of money uh, and I absolutely love Gary Medell um, but well, provide, providing he stays on the pitch Yes I know yes. I, I love him more as a cult figure um, uh, but which of their other signings do you actually like? Uh, Colker is I think passable for £8 million not convinced about Cornelius because he's played less than 50 senior games in his career £8 million on a player who scored 20 goals to be the man who's going to get the goals to keep in the Premier League that's an almighty gamble and John Brayford um, has done well in the championship he's done well at every level he's played but clearly this is a a big step up for him so we'll wait and see Uh, and I, I can't really comment on Simon Moore I've not seen enough of him I think I mean they they have spent the, they, they've spent a lot of money. Whether they spend it wisely, you know, only time will tell. But if if they feel that they've got to spend thirty million pound even to tread water and give themselves a chance of staying in the Premier League, then I think that that speaks volumes, really. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I, as you all know, I don't follow the Championship really closely, but I spoke to somebody who does, and uh, uh, he told me that the three sides from the championship who would have been best place to stay up uh, were actually uh, Leicester, Watford and Brighton and none of those sides got promoted so I wonder if this is going to be the, the year that we see the, the three up, three down or maybe I'm just being too negative um, Alison? Um, I'm interested in the story of Mark Hughes who um, is, oh, after, is after redemption at Stoke City I might 
it is it's a bit like some sort of deep novel this you know this is a man who who um said Fulham more or less said Fulham was too small a club for him uh roundly roundly criticized for the way he handled uh purchasing policy at Queen's Park Rangers um still held responsible for their relegation a surprise appointment at Stoke I think uh, it's no secret that I was a big fan of how Stoke performed under Tony Pulis so I was sorry that that era ended uh, Hughes goes into Stoke says he's learned his lessons uh, admits he was arrogant um, but the, the feeling is that he's supposed to turn them into some sort of mini Barcelona um, does he still have the same advisor he had before? As far as I'm aware, he does. Yes, okay. which, but but his transfer policy so far does not seem to follow the same pattern as it has at his previous four or five clubs. So what I I I almost I can't envisage it. I can't envisage him taking the Stoke that was Stoke because Pulis's personality was so big on that team and turning it. So far, he's only spent three million quid. I don't know how he's going to turn it around. Um, but he's under pressure. That's why Pulis was got rid of. He's under pressure to make it a more attractive looking team um, and I just think it's fascinating I don't know how he's going to do it will he do it whether it'll evolve through the season or whether they'll just sort of slowly sort of trick, trick, trickle down the league and look like they're in relegation trouble It's I think it's uh, from a psychological point of view the most interesting club I think I, I mean I, I also Alison, like you, come from a standpoint of being a huge admirer of Tony Pulis and what he was able to achieve at Stoke, and he never Sorry, got the credit for this. Is that asylum here? <laughs> come on. No, Seriously, no. come on. This is it's like, it's like the third or it's like the third or fourth biggest net spend in the last four or five years. Why are you a big admirer of the Coates family? Why, why am I not a big admirer of the Coates family? Shouldn't you love them? If, if, you, if you like Tony Pulis, you'd absolutely love them because okay. the other guys who chucked all the money at the him. Co- I love the Coates family. You're more than Pulis. Um, I don't know. I, I certainly love them more than Pulis loves them now, yeah. <laughs> no, well, the, the whole Stoke story is a very impressive one that they haven't got the credit for. Why haven't they got the credit for it? If they played football like Wigan, everybody would love them and they'd be regarded as a success. But because they play uh, in a manner which doesn't fit in with our Premier League ideal, therefore they are you know, regarded as the... Um, I'm trying to think of a clean version and I, and I can't. But they are, they're, they're regarded poorly now that matters nothing you it's if you're a Stoke City fan if I was a Stoke City fan I would be absolutely delighted with what has been achieved over the last few years but with the exception of Charlie Adam you would have to say that the players have been brought in have been have been brought in to fit into a certain style Toonchai uh, remember, remember, remember when your, your mate brought Toonchai or when he bought Wilson Palacios and never played him you remember that when he was spending all the coach's money I'm sorry if I'm on a rant here but I'm with the coach family on this there's, there's no magic to going and, and chucking in enormous amounts of money. I think only Chelsea and City uh, have spent more money in, 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 the, last, in the last few years than, than Pulis did at Stoke. Well, I, okay. I, I would say Stoke didn't stay up because of, the, because of the money they spent, because of the players they bought. I'd say they stayed up because they were organised and competitive, and that probably had very little to do with uh, probably had very little to do with what players they bought. I, I, I think. Um, I think he did buy very poorly at times, but I, I, I admire what Pulis did at Stoke, certainly. 
All right. Well, I'm obviously in the minority here, so I will um, uh, leave this meeting of the Tony Pulis fan club. Um, Gab, no, Gab, the bottom line is whether, whether you like Pulis or whether you don't like Pulis, he's gone. So the, the job that Mark Hughes has got is to fashion attractive football, in inverted commas, out of the set of players he's got who weren't brought in to play attractive football. I mean, when an agent told to, um, me about the problem he's got, he's trying to get players into Stoke. And it was the, the first question is, are they taller than six foot one and a half? Yeah, no. Everything was... else didn't matter. So when it comes down to it, Mark Hughes has now got to produce an entertaining side. And I think that of the players that he's got, only Charlie Adam is naturally cut out for that. The players he's brought in, Alison referred to the three million pounds. Eric Peters, two games for PSV last year, he's injured. Perennially injured. When he's on the field, he gets sent off. So he's off the field again. And that's the, that's the player they bought. I mean, Mark Hughes has got a mighty tough job this year. And I will be, if they finish higher than 17th I will be very surprised Ollie what do you want to talk about well would you believe would you believe my heart sank when um, when Jim mentioned uh, Cardiff Swansea because I, I think that is a fascinating region and, and it's um, come up with something more original exactly so I, I am I've had to hast- rethink very hastily and I'm going to go for another fascinating re- region which is the North East um, Newcastle are going to be extremely interesting I know that they went from having a fantastic season uh, two years ago to, to having a very poor season uh, last time I uh, Alan Pardew seems to me to be under quite a lot of pressure already I don't, I don't think the um Joe Kinnear thing is helping anybody it doesn't seem to be helping them get players in put it that way um, so I think that's going to be interesting I think even more interesting perhaps is going to be the, the, the Canio situation at um, uh, Sunderland I mean it, I'm not talking about the Canio's press conferences or, or anything like that people get excited by what people say in press conferences I'm, I'm more interested to see how the dynamic of that club works and that squad works because um, he made it pretty clear he, he was not impressed by the situation he inherited um, he's gone for big changes he's brought a lot of players in from Italy but not very good players in and it'll be fascinating to see how this sort of Anglo-Italian matchup works all right, well, uh, these are reasons to be excited, I guess. I'll give you uh, my own reason outside the top six. Um, I, I'm I'm on the Paul Lambert bandwagon again. Um, I, I'm really curious to see how these kids, whether, whether they go to the next level. I thought last year they were uh, on the receiving end of some results that weren't justified by the way they played. Um, and if Benteke realizes that um, the best way for him, now he's got his new contract, the best way for him to maybe get that enormous move he wants is to go out and be the beast he was last season and score 30 goals uh, and the other guys kick on a little bit, I think um, Villa can go mid-table because I thought they were much, much better last year than uh, their points total suggested. It's England-Scotland in midweek, and um, I know all the England fans are, are excited. Uh, Ollie, you're obviously the biggest England fan here. Um, <laughs> I, I've checked with JP. He does not. He calls himself a Torquay fan. Um, but uh, what are some things that we can learn from this? Um, the futility of the August friendly. The oh, come on. Listen, if you can't be upbeat about... Football, the whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, uh, no, say it, nice it, things, it, nice things. I, I, we talk about meaningless uh, friendly internationals. We talk about that a lot. And I, I think the idea of an England-Scotland one is it's one that does... Uh, at least in a sort of parochial way, it does excite people. It, I mean, I, I, I don't know what 
um, the crowd will be or TV figures will be on Wednesday, but it, it should be a, it should be a good occasion. Um, I think that, that, that's something that the FA have been um, trying to do a lot with these um, 150th anniversary uh, friendly matches. Um, personally, I think England would be very well advised to be. Um, Playing against the odd Eastern European team, not not, not like they not like they uh, all play in the same manner. But England seems to be struggling against Eastern European teams in competitive matches. I wonder whether it's quite so wise to be um, devoting you know these friendly preparation dates to playing against their uh, their British rivals. Is that is that uh, is that really the best thing to do technically or tactically? Um, but the match itself, the personnel, it, it's it's familiar. I think the, 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 the one real surprise name was Ricky Lambert um, and I would expect him to get on the pitch at, at, at some point, uh, whether he starts or not. Uh, I, I certainly expect him to, to figure. Um, he's 31. I thought he had a really, really good season. Um, I know people sort of roll their eyes and say, oh, is that all we've got? Well, Alison's rolling her eyes right now. Well, that's probably because I'm wittering on, but it, it, is, <laughs> it is all we've got. Uh, you know, for once, Andy Carroll and Sturridge are injured. It's not, it's not a huge personnel crisis that, that's forced the call-up of, uh, of Lambert. He, he's, you know, six, sixth in line for one of four places. So wow. it's... it's um, that's that's the sort of paucity of options which Hodgson has talked about, and unlike Grant Holt, who was you know, people were sort of pushing this uh, Grant Holt for England thing um, a couple of years ago. I, I think Lambert is a player of far greater scope than, uh, yeah. than Grant Holt. I think technically he's better. Um, I think he's a more intelligent player. I, I think I'm not saying by any means that I would be comfortable going into a World Cup match against. Brazil with uh, with Ricky Lambert at centre forward, but it's uh, it's uh, I, I I think he deserves a call up, and I'm interested to see how he does. He could, he could become an option for England. Oh, but let's hope let's hope he doesn't just get 20 minutes, and then everything about his England career is is viewed through that prism of those yeah, 20 yeah. minutes. So this what always happens. This happens all the time. With with we have the one cap wonder. We have someone who's there's a bit of a crisis. Usually at centre forward position, bring in a player who's. Uh, not fashionable and a little bit older and not playing for a fashionable club and everyone rolls I wasn't rolling my eyes but most people do roll their eyes and then the player is bogged down with the expectation and the hype and it's um, and the nice thing is they do tend to think it's an honour compared to most players who don't and it uh, gets to them a little bit they don't give everything they could give they're not given the full 90 minutes I would like to see Ricky Lambert given more than one chance and I and then who knows you might well Ollie feel comfortable with him representing his country mm. in Brazil because he, he grows with the role and shows that he cares and the fans like him because he's one of those players that doesn't seem to put you know his club before his country I just wonder whether he will get more minutes on the pitch in an England shirt this week than in the rest of his career I hope that's not the case because um, I'm, I'm sort of halfway between um, the two really I don't particularly want at the moment Ricky to be leading the line playing for England in a World Cup match um, but that said I think he does deserve the chance he's shown his versatility he's not just an out and out centre forward he can drop deep he's, he is a clever player who's changed his game 
game as he's got older. Um, I, I'm full of admiration for anybody who can work their way up from the from the clubs that um, that, that Ricky has played for early in his career. Uh, you know, being at Bristol Rovers, at Stockport, now playing for England. That's a, it's a magnificent achievement and one that he probably hasn't really got credit for. As far as Scotland are concerned, still as they have been for years and years in this uh, this never-ending transformation process. Um, it's a, a no-lose game for them, really. I think that they're they're ex- everybody expects that England will be able to turn them over, and if uh, Gordon Strachan can can get something out of Scotland and, and a positive result, that that will be a massive victory for them. By the way, if you're wondering why uh, Jim Proudfoot's so excited about Ricky Lambert, it's because he lives on the south coast, uh, like Mr. Lambert. Is that correct? Well, that is correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so yeah. I do I do see more of him. My one of my lads is a Southampton fan, so um, yeah, I, I I can eulogise about Ricky Lambert more readily than perhaps I ever would have been able to about Grant Holt. And is it right you live in Bournemouth? No, that's not that's not correct. Nearby, right? No. It's Sandbanks, isn't it? 120, <laughs> yeah. 120 Panorama Road, Sandbanks. Well, in fact, yeah? what I've done, all the houses on that road that Harry hasn't got, I've bought. <laughs> that's what, that, that seemed to be the policy, so um, that was the advice that was given. Jim, is it true that you used to bottle beetroot alongside Ricky Lambert? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all true. All right, enough of this chatter. Let's go to some quick hits. Brendan Rodgers reportedly won't allow Luis Suarez back to train with the first team until he, quote, apologizes for his, quote, outburst last week. Allison, um, does this sound reasonable to you? Because it seems kind of idiotic to me, given the fact that um, if he apologizes because he has to, it's not really a real apology, is it? No, I, I think Rodgers has got this very wrong indeed. Uh, and I, well, I, I think I know why he said it. He said it because it makes him look statesmanlike. You can't go wrong if you put the fans first and say a player isn't respecting them or the club properly. Um, two things. One is, why bring up the, the, the reasons he, he needs to apologise, i.e. The, the racism and the biting and the club supporting him? You wouldn't bring up those issues if, if there wasn't a, a debate over whether he's staying or going. So why, why bring them up? You, you utterly ludicrous and and the phrase burning bridges has been applied to Suarez it's actually more applicable to to Rogers because if Suarez stays isn't Rogers burning his bridges by turning um, Suarez into a hate figure somebody who's sullen and needs to apologise to the fans maybe Brendan Rogers really believes he should apologise if so keep it private do not make it public just for a short term boost in popularity rating he's he's potentially ruining uh, what would have been Liverpool's player of the season next season yeah, I don't remember him apologising for uh, his mega suspensions, which cost him, uh, what, uh, 10 games out in total? This Gareth Bale business rumbles on. Ollie, some of us wonder if it isn't some kind of big smokescreen, a hedge in case Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't extend his contract. Tell me, you're the wise man. Is anyone worth $100 million? And is that anyone Gareth Bale? Well, on, on the smokescreen thing, I, I've wrestled with the same theory myself. I, I, at least it seems perhaps it's a backup option in case Ronaldo deal doesn't happen, or maybe even a, an attempt to put the squeeze on Ronaldo to make him sign the contract. I mean, it, it, it does seem a staggering, ludicrous amount of money to spend on on any player. Uh, I think Gareth Bale is fantastic. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant Premier League player who has the ability to be a, very, a, a brilliant Champions League player if he continues the way he's gone but £100 million is is daft and I'm staggered that Real Madrid started the bidding at whatever it was £80 million it's 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 
it doesn't make sense to me. Because that's a brilliant plan. Ultimately, that's the end game. You see, if Cristiano doesn't resign, then uh, you simply buy Bale for a hundred million. Uh, you sell Cristiano to a Ribolov live down in Monaco for a hundred fifty million, since he already has half of uh, of uh, George Mendes's clients. You come out fifty million ahead, and you still win the league because you've got Carlo Ancelotti, who's a genuine warrior of the light, and Barcelona keeps shooting themselves in the foot every day. George Calkin isn't with us today, but Jim, I'm told you speak Geordie, so have some fun. Uh, should Newcastle sign Gomis or Bent, or does it not matter? Because Joe Kinnear is at the club. I only signed up to speak to you guys today because I thought that George was going to be eulogising about Joe Kinnear and that is what I wanted to hear um, basically the fact that Joe is at the focal point of everything to do with Newcastle does everybody else a favour but does it do Newcastle a favour in the big picture I don't know uh, Darren Bent isn't the answer for them Gomis has got a good goal scoring record in France with 73 goals in four years but when you look at the law of Giroud generally speaking you score about half as many in the, in the uh, Premier League as you do in the France of Giroud I love it that means that Gomez is going to get about eight or nine for Newcastle. That's not enough. I'm not convinced he's good enough. They've got major problems. They have to buy, and they've got to buy a lot of players between now and the end of the window. Hey, shall we talk about Premier League footballers betting on football? No, let's not, because there's this law of Omerta. Nobody talks about it, even though somebody's been busted. And that makes two of them, and they play for big clubs. No, let's move on instead. Uh, let's talk Cutter 2022. Everybody seems to want to play in winter rather than the scorching summer. Everyone but Europe's five biggest leagues uh, who don't want the disruption and have let FIFA know it. Allison, where do you stand? I mean, would you be willing to disrupt something as nice as the Premier League for something as irrelevant as the 2022 World Cup? I don't like change. I don't think the World Cup should shift to be playing, being played in the winter. I, I, I suppose a, we'll play it in the summer, yeah? Uh, you play it in the summer, that's when you're supposed to play it. And I think if Greg Dyke just keeps saying it over and what over if it, again... What if you played in Brazil? Saying, what if you played saying. in Brazil? Huh? You still have to play in the summer? Or are you being Eurocentric or worse, Anglocentric here? I don't, I don't know what sort of centric I'm being. I just don't like change, Gab. And I think if Greg Dyke just keeps saying you can't play it in the heat, you can't play it in the heat, eventually people will think, oh, he's right, you know what, you can't play it in the Of course you can play it in the heat. They offer to build air-conditioned stadiums and uh, the idea that fans cannot cope with going somewhere that's hot, I think is patronising and slightly ludicrous. And cultures and societies do develop to cope with the atmosphere and there will be places for them to go and have drinks happily and eat happily and watch the football happily it's not that ridiculous to assume that they can play it in June Maybe what is ridiculous is holding uh, the World Cup in a country of 600,000 people but hey, that's a whole other issue Manchester City spent big on the attacking end of the pitch this summer, but um, Ollie, do they seem a bit light defensively to you? you know, Colo Torre's gone, and you know, once you get past company, who's not getting any younger, and Rory's mate, Mr. Nasty, who's injured right now, they're a bit thin. Yeah, they 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 do want to buy a, a right-sided central defender um, who can come in and, and, and play at a Champions League level. They, that, that is what they are trying to do. Um, Martin It's an interesting one. I'd not thought of that one. I mean, um, with, um, with this Paul Sal to a rival club with whom they're competing, uh, I say, semi-tongue-in-cheek. Um, it's... Um, <laughs> No, I, 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 I'm told that they, they still want Pepe, but they, but they feel that they, 
Real Madrid don't want to sell because then they'll be in exactly the same position. So it's interesting one. They do seem to need a central defender. They are aware of it. They are working on it. Um, if they don't get one, then it's perhaps a rare gap in what is a fairly awesome squad. Wonderful see you. On paper. Wonderful to see Yaya Torre playing uh, uh, centre-half uh, this season. Arsenal are very close to picking up Luis Gustavo for uh, reported £14 million. Pounds. Jim, is this money well spent? Uh, yeah, in terms of the fact that he's a, the type of player that Arsenal need, yes, I think he is. Um, I mean, he's available. You'd have to look at the fact that he's only started half the league games um, in Munich in the three years that he's been with Bayern um, that would be a, a negative but I, I, I think it would be overall it would be a positive signing Arsenal will take anybody at the moment you ask an Arsenal fan whether it's a signing who is it and then even before you've answered they'll say yes we'll take him it's well, a good signing nice just, thing about they're, Lu- just de- they're just desperate for new blood nice thing about Luis Gustavo is he can fill in at centre half as well only thing that gets me a little bit is you worked all last season trying to get Arteta as your deepest lying midfielder. Now you're going to have to rejigger everything. But hey, I guess it needs must. Gab, one for you. Samuel Eto'o is supposedly available. So what happened to the super club that one of those Russian oligarchs was building in Dagestan? Oh, you mean Mr. Karimov at Anji Makhachkala? Um, I guess he decided that, hey, you know what? Uh, this is never going to work because uh, this club is in a war zone. The players don't even live there. They live in Moscow. They just come down for games. I, I pretended like I was going to build a 60,000-seat stadium uh, in a city of like a couple hundred thousand people that I was never going to be able to fill unless I sort of uh, uh, sent people with guns out to frog march people into the stands. And um, So basically, it's all going it's all going away. Uh, it's not just Samuel Leto, It's also Lucina Traore, who uh, I'm sure Jim's seen him. He's a player I absolutely love. He's like eight feet tall. He's like this this, this sort of giant uh, um, uh, center forward. Um, Samuel Eto'o has a year left. He makes a lot of money, although his, his enormous contract, which made the world's highest player, was front-loaded. Uh, so he makes a little bit less this year. I'm told that he might take a pay cut in exchange for a multi-year deal. And I don't think Karimov would demand too much in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of a transfer fee. I think this is one to watch. And uh, certain Jose Mourinho did very well with Samuel Eto'o a couple of years ago when he, uh, when he won the treble. All right, enough of this. This is all we've got time for this week. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been Jim, Jim Proudfoot. Please tell us how we're going to be able to hear more of you going forward, assuming we want to. Well, as you will know, uh, on this very website, you will be able to see the goals as they go in pretty much from every Barclays Premier League game. I'm delighted to be a part of that. Uh, Sundays generally will be the day that uh, I will be talking through the action so you can see the goals as they pretty much as they happen and highlights uh, of two minutes and five minutes highlights of, uh, of all the games. So you can see that you will be well aware of how it works. Just look at the website for further details. And on Friday, I'm delighted to say that uh, the Ollie is joining me along with Tony Cascarino and Tony Evans. Uh, All the favourites in the game podcast. Uh, yeah, except for absolutely. me and Rory, we're not wanted, are we? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm just to be honest. The number board came up with your number on it, and they got me to fill in for half mm-hmm. the rate at, uh, at short notice. Gab, you know how it works. So this is Friday that I'm talking about. This coming Friday, and you get the opportunity to set the agenda of the podcast. You can ask uh, the team questions at a live recording. As I say, it's uh, myself hosting with uh, Tony Cascarino, Tony Evans, and Ollie. Friday night, seven o'clock uh, in London, uh, Covent Garden Way. The tickets cost ten pound or t- twelve pound fifty. And to get them, there's a number for you to call, which is 0871 620 
4025 slash the times but again all the details are uh, very readily available on the times website hope to see you there yes please do show up because uh, the alternate podcast that I'm hosting on Friday night with Rory K. Smith and my pals Alan Hansen Allison Rudd Wayne Rooney and uh, Nigel Clough uh, is fully sold out that's right Wembley Arena fully sold out oh Matt Dickinson's with us too isn't he yeah I believe so yes alright that's all we've got time for that's enough my thanks to Allison to Ollie to Jim Proudfoot from his beautiful premises on Panorama Road in Sandbanks but don't despair we'll be back next week with another show remember you can always write to us as so many of you do every single week game podcast at thetimes.co.uk you can also interact with us on Twitter uh, we're all on there Ollie's on there Allison's on there Jim you've got a wonderful Twitter handle as well don't you? Uh, at Jim Proudfoot very imaginatively at Jim Proudfoot how original I'm excited already just thinking about it till next time bye bye your subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal refresh your app choose your team accept notification and you're away